You're listening to Bible Truth Feed, a podcast by Christadelphianvideo.org for Christadelphians and all those seeking the truth about the Bible message. Join us now as we present our latest episode. Continuing on in our Bible Basics webinar series now, we're on series two, and we're up to the episode that deals with evolution, and this episode is called, Is God Guiding Evolution? That's what some would say, not discounting evolution or creation. They say that God put in place the process commonly known today as evolution, and that's termed as theistic evolution, or God God guided um, evolution, or God directed evolution, or or evolutionary creationism. But that really isn't what the Bible describes at all. Um, And if we accept that theology, then we are going down a slippery path, because we find that we have to dismiss parts of the inspired scriptures to make that belief hold water. So. It's a 18, 19 minute short introductory style piece um, to introduce this subject. So I hope you enjoy it. Um, Please bear with it. It's really fascinating. And please do get in touch with your thoughts and comments and, and requests. Thank you very much. Right. Hello and good evening, Kevin, and everyone that's joined us this evening. I'm super excited to be back again this week to talk to you about a very important topic. I think it's a really relevant topic for Christians today, uh, one that can maybe challenge the faith of a believer. And our question is, is God guiding evolution? We're really going to zoom into one part of the creation evolution discussion, because we want to consider this popular idea which merges God and evolution. Now, in my thinking, the question of evolution or creation had always been a question of whether you believe in God. In other words, if you believed in God, you believed in creation. If you didn't believe in God, well, then you believed in evolution. But a popular idea today is that we evolved, but under the direction of God, that God was guiding the evolutionary process. And so our question tonight is, Is that idea of evolution consistent with what we find in the Bible's teaching? And I want to start off my uh, topic this evening by just sharing with you a couple of fascinating statistics. Now, the question on the screen that you see is actually the questions asked in a Gallup poll. So the Gallup group has polled uh, Americans, those in the United States, ever since 1982, And they've asked them a question regarding the origins of life and and what they believe. And they really presented three options to people. They said, you know, option one is is creation. Do you believe that God created man in their present form uh, within the last 10,000 years? Option two is your basic evolution question, which is, has God uh, formed man or not? Sorry, God had no part in in the the existence of humans. That's evolution. And the third one was that God guided evolution, sort of a mix between the two concepts. And I guess 
It was quite interesting to see the results. Now, these are the results from when they asked the question in 2019. Might surprise you, the highest percentage were those that professed a belief in creation, 40%. Um, then there was 22% that believed God had no part in it, that it was purely evolution. And then 33% that believed that God was guiding evolution. Now, maybe that doesn't surprise you, but I guess what took me off guard was the small number of people that believed God didn't have any part in our existence. So if, of those that had an opinion, 73% believe that God has the part in our existence, while only 22% believe that we arrived here by chance. So that's for every person that believes we arrived by chance. There's three in the United States that think God had a part in it. But what if we take the atheists out of the equation? What if we take out those who believe that God had no part? What percentage of those that believe God was involved believed in creation and what percentage believed in evolution? So I just take out that lower section, split it up, leave the numbers there. But you can see it's very close to a 50-50 split. Almost half of those that believe in God actually believe in evolution at the same time. And so there's this recent tendency for religions to blend God and evolution. In fact, if you uh, examine the religious beliefs, you'll find that most Christian denominations, in fact, a lot of religious denominations outside of Christianity believe in evolution. So what does the Bible say? That's really what we're here to talk about, Bible Basics webinar. Does the Bible teach evolution? Can we believe in the Bible and believe in evolution at the same time? So let's examine the facts. Now, this might be an overwhelming slide. I, I kind of created it to be that way. It represents the references to creation that I could find in the Bible. And I think if you look closely at all those references, if you know what all those short forms stand for, you'll see that creation is a consistent teaching throughout the Bible. It's there in Genesis. It's there in Revelation. It's from beginning to end. In fact, there's over 70 references that we could read in the Bible that reference creation. Now, I'm going to share with you the four that are highlighted, and I've got them up on the screen so we can go through them fairly quickly. These ones on the screen are the words of King Hezekiah, and Hezekiah believed in the one true God, the God of Israel. And what does he say of that God? He says he's the one that made heaven and earth. So Hezekiah believed in creation. We move to the time of, of David a little bit earlier than Hezekiah, but in the book of the Psalms, we've got the words of King David. And when King David looked at the stars and the, and the moon and, and, and the heavens in general, the sun, he saw that they attested to the greatness of God. And David couldn't have begun to guess the actual size of the heavens that we've now discovered. But when David looked at that, he believed in a God that created and it humbled David. Look at that verse four. He says, you know, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? If we move to the New Testament, we find the words of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And Jesus refers to the creation. He refers to the creation of Adam and Eve. It confirms the acceptance of Jesus Christ in the account of Genesis the Genesis account of creation. In fact, it becomes his basis to expound the topic of marriage, that Adam and Eve, you know, Eve came from Adam's side, and, and so in marriage, uh, two become one, 
in the doctrine of marriage, and, and Christ refers to that. And finally, just one last reference now from the time of the apostles, in the days of Peter and John when they were preaching, the first century believers, they witnessed a great miracle that the apostles performed, and they ascribed to God the glory that God was the God who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and, and all the creatures that were in them. Now, I suppose a Christian who chooses to blend evolution and the Bible might say, well, sure, God created it, but he created through a process of evolution. But does that really fit when we look at what we're told about creation in Genesis? If you have a Bible, I'd encourage you to take it out at this point. We're going to go through a few of the verses in Genesis chapter 1, 2, and 3. So if you got your Bible, this is what Hezekiah believed. This is what David believed. This is what the Lord Jesus Christ and the apostles believed. What does the Bible say regarding creation or evolution? Well, the very first verse of the Bible says the word creation. It says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. You know, you might be like me of a scientific background and think, I'd like to know a little bit more about how that happened. And sometimes we're a little disappointed that Genesis doesn't give us the, the nitty gritty details of how God created the earth, but it does give us some very important points. Repeated again and again is this phrase in Genesis 1 that God said. So in verse 3, if you're looking in your Bible, it says, And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. God spoke, and it was accomplished. Now, again, that might be a little unsatisfying in the detail, but it points to the power of God. God could speak something, and it was done. That's the infinite power that God has. But it also points to something very important. It points to the immediacy of the results. That's not a process, but that's an instantaneous effect. That's how God created the world. We're told elsewhere that God used the angels, that the angels were there at creation, that the angels did the bidding of God. So God spoke and said, let there be light. And the work of the angels was there to, to create the light. The angels performed the will of God. Interesting, I won't put it on the screen, but in verse four, that after each time God said something and it was done, God looked at it and he saw that it was good. That's repeated in verse four, in verse 10, verse 18, verse 21, verse 25. And at the end of the six days, God looked at it and said, it was very good. So everything God created was created the way it was supposed to be in a good form, not in a partially completed creature that needed to be perfected through a, a process. It was created according to the power of God, and it was very good. Well, there's a phrase that you'll see just as often in Genesis chapter 1 that actually precludes the idea or the concept of evolution. It's there in verse 11. It says, and God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb yielding seed, and the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind whose seed is in itself upon the earth. And it was so. That phrase, after his kind, you'll find it again and again throughout all of the creation. And that word kind is the Hebrew word that means sort. It's used 10 times about plants and fish and birds and animals, that every one of them could bring forth offspring after its kind. 
The most referenced Bible concordance says that this word means a sort or a species. In other words, they would bring forth offspring according to their species. So again, weigh that against uh, whether God and the Bible is talking about creation or evolution. Well, if you skip down to the creation of man, we find that there was a very special creation that was made in Genesis 1, the creation of man and woman. And God said, remember the angels are there, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish, etc. So this creation of man was going to have dominion. And mankind was a special creation in the image of God and of the angels. You see, that's not a variation of a previous animal. It's a special creation with special characteristics that set men and women apart from the rest of creation. And that's very helpful because evolution has a big, difficult time explaining how we have the characteristics that set us above the other animals of, of consciousness, of uh, moral compass that we have that God created in us. Now, if you go into chapter two, you also see points that seem, uh, seem to contradict the idea of evolution. So here's God in Genesis chapter two, verse five. Think for a moment about the concept of evolution, that there's a slow progression and development of humans from perhaps something like apes. Well, what does this statement say in Genesis 2, verse, verse 5? After he'd created other things, God looked and he said there was not a man to till the ground. God had created the plants and the birds and the fish and the animals, and he looked at his creation and saw that there was no man to till the ground. That statement wouldn't be possible if humans had slowly evolved over thousands or, in fact, millions of years. There would have been some creatures there that would have had those capabilities. But what we find in Genesis 2 is actually that God formed man in a special way. God formed man out of the dust of the ground. He formed him out of the clay. Well, that's a description of creation, not of evolution. And then God, it says in Genesis 2 verse 7, breathed into man's nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Now, what's fascinating to me is now you have here in the scripture a description and an explanation of what science can't explain. Science can't create life from non-life. The creation was a miraculous event. God breathed into man the breath of life. And it goes on, and we see that woman was also formed in a special way, that God, in Genesis 2, verse 21 and 22, he caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he took one of Adam's ribs and he made the woman out of the rib. And, and we remember that Christ referred to that to teach us, you know, a principle of marriage, that they're side by side, the man and the woman, and the woman is taken out of man. She's appropriate. She's an appropriate helper for man in marriage. So it's the basis of Christ's teaching on the sanctity of marriage. And finally, we, we look at a verse in chapter three, which again would be inconsistent if we believe in evolution, that when Adam gives a name to his wife, to this woman that was taken from his side, he calls her Eve and says, because she was the mother of all living. Adam and Eve were the mother and father of all mankind. And again, that's not consistent with a group of humans that evolved from 
from apes that had been developing for thousands of years. So it's pretty clear when we look at Genesis that the Bible teaches creation. And sometimes it's just as important to step back and be reminded of what the Bible doesn't teach. There's no reference here in Genesis to evolution. There's no reference to millions of years. And there's no reference to other men and women being in existence before Adam and Eve were created. And what I love about the record in Genesis is the simplicity of the account. And although my scientific brain would like to have all the details of creation, I see the simplicity of the message that God is teaching and the power that he had in the creation that he made. And what I don't see is the concept of evolution. Well, there's really many reasons to reject evolution. And I just wanted to finish off by putting a few of them on the screen. I look at the complexity of life and the more I learn about the world around us, and I think as mankind does, the more we learn how complex every, every living creature is, the more unlikely it is that we evolved. We might consider the fossil record and we just don't find the multitude of intermediate forms of life that evolution would suggest. There might be one or two possible intermediate forms that are disputed, but not the hundreds of thousands that we would expect with the basis and the theory of evolution. There's been no documented example of, of macroevolution observed where one species becomes another. The argument being that it takes too long for us to observe, but it hasn't been observed. And then we have the, the complex question of how life could be evolved from non-life, let alone the elements that uh, form to make basic things like proteins and other things that are not alive. The wonderful complexity of DNA. And we could have uh, sessions on this, but really in Bible Basics webinar, the, the single most reason that we have to reject the theory of evolution is the teaching of the Bible. Those that want to mesh evolution and God, well, they have to discount the record in Genesis. They have to explain away the first few chapters of Genesis as a fable or a, a parable. They have to put it in the class of the creation stories of other cultures. And really, I want to present to you that that's a dangerous thing, because where does that stop? Where does one stop in deciding what part of the Bible should be believed and what part shouldn't? So I want to leave you with just a couple of thoughts. Uh, a verse from 2 Timothy, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. Even the account in Genesis chapter one and chapter two, that's the inspired account of the creation of the world. And God's revealed to us just the details that he's chosen to. And all scripture is profitable for doctrine. Creation is a doctrine of the Bible. But what if we choose to discount some of its teachings? Well, the Bible gives us a rather dire warning for this as well. From the last book of the Bible, from the very last chapter, it says, if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life. That's how important it is, friends, to accept what the Bible teaches. Like David, I marvel at the creation around me. It's a witness to me of the great power of God. And I'd like to finish by echoing just a couple words from, from Jeremiah the prophet, where he says in Jeremiah 32, Ah, Lord God, behold, thou hast made the heaven and the earth by thy great power 
and stretched out arm, and there is nothing too hard for thee. And we thank God that he gave us this creation and put us in this world. If you found this video helpful, then make sure to go to our website to find other Bible study materials. And also don't forget to take the quiz by using the link down below. If you take enough quizzes, you'll earn some awesome rewards as well as some very useful Bible study tools. We at Bible Basics Webinar also specialize in individual and small group Bible studies. You can text us by using the phone number that's also down in the description, as well as our email to get more information about our Zoom and in-person classes. And of course, thank you so much for watching Bible Basics Webinar, where we use the Bible to learn about God. God is dead, at least according to the words of a German philosopher in the 1880s. The Age of Enlightenment and science had removed any need to believe in God. And since that time, there's been the impression that the Bible and science are in opposition. But is that really true? Are the Bible and science opposed to one another? Or is the teaching of the Bible consistent with the observations we can make? The reality is, a great percentage of scientists still believe in God. They believe in the Bible. They look at the vastness of the universe. They consider the complexity of life, and they conclude there must be a designer. And then they read the account of creation in Genesis chapter 1, and they conclude that it's consistent with what they observe. Genesis chapter 1 contains a beautiful description of creation. It speaks of the great power of a creator. It describes the wonderful complexity and beauty of the animals in the sea, in the sky, in the air. All of these were created by the God of the Bible. But recently there has been a push to combine creation and evolution together. Their idea is that God created the world, but by an evolutionary process. But I think we need to be critical of that idea and see if it really aligns. Join us as we test that idea against what the Bible says, as we look at Genesis chapter 1 and its description of the origins of life. Thank you for joining us. We hope you found the episode helpful. Don't forget, 
Most of these episodes are also available as videos on our video channel, cdvideo.org. So head over and take a look. If you have any comments or questions or suggestions, please get in touch or leave us a voice message. We love to hear your feedback. You can email us at btf at cdvideo.org. If you enjoyed the episode, then please share it with others. Until next time, may God bless you in your studies and your walk towards God's kingdom. Amen.